Hey there, Fresh Movie Pod listeners. Just a quick correction at the top of the episode. Victoria, me, attempts to reference Stan Mikita, the Slovakian-born hockey star and center for the Chicago Blackhawks from 1959 to 1980, a massive force in hockey and a famous name in sports. Only I called him Don Mikita. There is no Don Mikita. Well, there is, but he didn't play 22 seasons in the NHL. My sincere apologies to the city of Chicago. On to the show. Or what's the... Webby's? You know you have to pay to submit to that shit. Like, not surprised. Not surprising, but like I looked into submitting our show, thousand dollars or something for to be a new voice. You know, submission. I'm like, those are the people have to. Anyway, wow, the least money. Hey Chelsea. Hey Victoria. You know what I need? What? Brought a fresh movie. Me too. Cool. Let's get it done. Breath of Fresh movie, a podcast where I, Victoria Harley, and I, Chelsea Pope, we watch a movie neither one of us has ever seen, and then we talk about it. Yeah. And we may not talk about every plot point, but we will talk about any plot point. So that's like your spoiler warning in general. Dope. Yeah. Hey. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) This week, we're talking about the 1985 comedy Summer Rental starring John Candy, which I was very, I I suggested this, and so I'll take the I'll take the hit for this one uh-huh. or the heat <laughs> and the heat and the hit and the heat um, because I wanted to, we've been doing a lot of great movies, but very serious, heavy stuff. And I was uh-huh. like, okay, we need to like mix it up and do like a, a dumb summer comedy. Sure. Which we did. Yeah. But, um, yeah. What, what did you, first impressions? I, yeah, no, it was like, it, it was <laughs> um, on, I mean, you know, it was just pretty standard, uh, inconsequential fare. Like this is just like a, a not as good version of National Lampoon, uh, you know, family vacation. It's kind of like John Candy doing his best in like the wrong part <laughs> or just the like not the right yeah. type. Like it just wasn't like the things that clicked the most were not these sort of not when he was playing this like this self-pitying kind of curmudgeon dude like that's that's why he plays the opposite of that in planes trains and automobiles and that's like really the sort of the role that he would thrive in whereas yeah. and you know i mean he's john candy like obviously he did a great job with what he was given but it's still he's a he's a big warm canadian guy don't make him a villain yeah or like or... yeah don't just don't make him into this like ben still like ben, when ben stiller doesn't play a high character he plays like you know, like a meet the Fockers type dude. Right. And it's sort of that like, Oh, I stubbed my toe. Everything's <laughs> going wrong. I'm getting, I'm going to, they're going to fire me. Totally. Everybody hates me. I'm annoying. My family wants to just embroiled in nonsense, punch yeah. me, you know, just yeah. like that. So like he's, he's his best comedy is when in the face of all of that, he's like super bright and, and John candy when yeah. he's John okay. candy, okay. when he's having fun, you know, yeah. um, so yeah, this is definitely I feel like a little bit against type or something, but yeah. also maybe it just could have like it could have just been better because I don't yeah. wanna, I don't want to blame him. No, he was no, funny, I but. think I think I came into this with um, <laughs> it's okay. I came into this I think with with um, a lot of hope and like I was like oh this uh-huh. should be good like a you know a goofy eighties movie and I think even I I kept 
up the enthusiasm and the optimism for like a good 20 minutes. Sure. Because the the thing that did like just the first funny thing to me, speaking as a redhead, uh-huh. was when he gets horribly sunburned, right. just lying there in the sun. Like, and he has that bad sunburn, the, like the rest, the rest of, of the, the movie. movie seemingly. And I, there was something about that that just, it was very like, um, I'm a beleaguered dad you know, and like, yeah. like I've, I have to, like, I do all of this for my family, but I don't get to enjoy it. I think you're absolutely right about the comparison to vacation. Like, and yeah, I think Janet, like, this one is the, much more of like a Chevy Chase type of role. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, and Janet Maslin, the New York Times film reviewer was like, yeah, this film owes a huge debt to National Lampoon's Vacation because yeah. it's, it's just another one of these kinds of movies. Right. Um, and I did like Archie the dog. Like, I think that was my first laugh just because Archie was a good, I love a good dog actor. We know this. Sure. And a cat actor. Yeah. A cat actor. But yeah, I mean, it's like we have this like unfortunate, like the trope of the like large husband, hot wife thing. Yeah. Or just, yeah, it's in general with these movies. Usually it's like the, the dad is being a goofball and the wife is just being hot and nice yeah no personality and you know or they do you know that that she not that she wasn't like a competent actress she has like she she has quite an extensive she has an extensive (laughs) tv and film career from what i saw for sure but Mm -hmm. um yeah this is not one of this is it's she's not given much to do other than to be like oh have a grape i'm taking a picture yeah you can do it babe Oh, don't listen to the kids. And then just silence. <laughs> you know, it was a good run. I like that. It's yeah. not a lot of, uh, it's not a lot of. Yeah. Like there was some part where she's like, I like to see you in a bathing suit. And he, he's like, oh, my mother was right. You're twisted. You yeah. know, it's like, like they have this, like. They have like a sarcastic sense of humor. Like she like shouts, I love you. And he's like, I'm already on the road or whatever at the start of the movie. It's like they have a sassy kind of relationship Although, clearly okay yeah right at the top because i'm paying close attention yeah. to like what's gonna happen i'm like you know like can't look away at that those first couple scenes you're trying to piece it together um but she hands him you know he, he's got coffee he's saying it's tea she's like yeah. it's a tea no it's coffee and then you find out he's an air traffic controller i'm like bitch let him have his coffee yeah he, lives depend on him yeah which is actually kind of what sets this whole thing off he cause it he almost causes a mid-air collision working as an air traffic controller because a pretty fly high is on the right yeah yeah fly yeah. it's very brazil and they they're like okay take you're taking a mandatory five-week leave which sounds like awesome you know, yeah you get fired nothing here just so they take a vacation and that's it they go down to uh citrus cove which is a fake place uh in florida uh-huh. and they they're gonna rent a house for a summer and, or for a month, right? Hanging on the beach. That's, right. And that's like, you know, the, I don't want to say like more or less the premise is just that once they arrive, it turns into like a slobs versus snobs kind of like we're the kids from the other side of the, of the, the yeah, lake. I think you it's know? just, it's it, a bit messy what was going on because it wasn't like with National Lampoon, with the, like it's very clear cut and like simple, which they can blow out you know the the silliness with the simplicity of like this guy's just trying to get to his destination and everything that you can think of that would go wrong will go wrong. wrong they kind of implement some of that but then it turns into more of a like it, it, it do you they start putting more of the obvious like rich guy bully like i don't know they just felt they they were kind of layering other yeah 
there were a lot of different tropes. It was a little you're, yeah, it was like muddy. You're right. It is it it's, muddy. It's muddy. It's it's a little confused. I mean, there's some moments I did enjoy. I mean, yeah, waiting in line that like long ass restaurant line. Yeah, and they you know the the rich people walk past and they get the last lobsters. And I mean, sure, there is something like. I don't know. I'm, I guess I'm just empathizing with my parents who every time they took us somewhere, you know, and you're just you're just trying to have a good time with your family. And like, yeah, you know, and they, they keep I mean, what I did like, too, is they keep ending up at the barnacle. Right. Like every time they can't get the table at the restaurant they want, they get sent to the barnacle. Yeah. Oh, you need a boat to rent. All the boats are gone, but you they can go, go to the, the barnacle, barnacle and like, and it's Rip Torn, who's Which, like the proprietor of the bar, who he yeah. was, I liked seeing He was him. a highlight of the film. I he think all highlight. of the, I think the more like eccentric characters, like I would have rather watched more of them, but I, I know agree. this movie's not essentially about that, but this is what happens when you restrict someone like John Candy into this role where he has to be more of the straight man type mm -hmm. of figure, but these wacky moments kind of eke out, but then there's these other wacky characters on the side. Yeah. I don't know. I liked, I, yeah, I definitely liked Rip Torn as, as Scully, the pirate. Um, I thought he was definitely actually a highlight of the film because I for enjoyed the first him. time I was yeah. like, we're going to take some broader strokes here like yeah. and he ends up really being the one who kind of saves the day in the end because yeah. again so this whole story i mean it, it's weird it devolves then into this we're gonna race you at the regatta oh, I hate that trope so and much. like if we win we get to stay rent free all summer trope. and if we lose then we'll leave and pay and it's just was the it, only time that's ever worked was heavyweights which is also a certified rotten film. <laughs> but that one was good. You're like, I like that one. Yeah, this was tough. There were some, again, moments. It was like a lot of little bits kind of strung together. Sure. Like seeing John Candy wearing a Blackhawk, a Chicago Blackhawks hockey jersey. But then they're from the Atlanta or well, something. Right. That's right. That's Which I right. thought was very confusing because I was I was going to mention that too. Yeah. I was like, it's it's funny the visual that he's wearing the Chicago, but it just, doesn't actually, you know. I mean, we know like maybe as audiences that like right, okay, he's from the Toronto area originally, but like that's not in the story. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can support whatever team he wants. There's no, no dissing no. the Chicago. Oh yeah, uh, and he's got a it's like a Don Makita jersey. It's definitely like a like a classic, a specific, very very like yeah heroic, you know, Chicago. right. And they're, they're they're drawing a specific yeah, type of um, but there's something there. about that cold weather sport gear at a beach. Yes, exactly. It's very funny. I like, think that and the fact that Chicago. So what's colder than Chicago? Chicago. You know, yeah, I, I mean guess. maybe it was Winnipeg or something. Yeah, something you know. like that. Um, but yeah, it was it was rough. Um, but you know, it, I had a question, which is, is this a kids movie? Is it, uh, is it a kids movie? Because there's a whole plot line that involves a woman who just got breast implants constantly showing people her implants. Right? Which is supposed to, I mean, again, I think this is a movie that, yeah, it's like, it's supposed to be a family movie. So that's supposed to be a funnier scene for like the adults, I guess. I guess. But then that was odd. Yeah, that was odd. I mean, I kind of like, I kind of liked that bit. I, I do sometimes like the, the trope of I there being was, the hot wife and then the subversion of like the cuck. Like, yeah. he's like, well, feel my wife's boobs. Yeah, I, I don't know if you can feel them. I, <laughs> yeah. I did think it got funnier by the last time they did it. I liked it. Huh. because it, it was straight up oh he hasn't seen them yet like he's basically <laughs> like you realize like he's into this like th there's a yeah. yeah um and i did like that there was also a, a couple of just physical comedy moments i liked like uh 
there's a whole incident where the, the house they rent, they go to a place on Beach Street, but it turns yeah. out the house they really wanted was on Beach Lane. So they've essentially broken into right. somebody else's house and they're sleeping and they yeah. come home in the middle of the night. But when they're trying to leave, they've brought the family dog with them. He has this enormous bag of kibble. It ends up spilling out completely yeah. on the floor. And <laughs> I mean, I it got me. I, I did. No, there's definitely them. fun moments. I really liked not necessarily the cool I didn't I didn't literally love the bit where the cooler was leaking everywhere when he's walking on the beach, but I did love every aside that was happening when like he drew over the hot dog. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm supposed to be cooking on the beach. Yeah, like he yeah. just starts to moralize. <laughs> like that was when John Candy got to have more like you could tell he was improvising. And so he was having some freedom in that absurdity to be like, he he's not showing, sh- he's doing the thing that makes him so funny in Plains, Trains, Automobiles and, and Uncle Buck, where he kind of, he's taking almost like a defiant position against the the ruckus he's causing, yeah. where there's this sort of like, oh, wait, wait, who leaves their sunblock with the, put the cap on that. Oh, well, you know, he's starting, he's flipping it back, yeah. which is when I thought, when I, when I thought the humor landed as opposed mm-hmm. to him, just, oh, oh God, oh, sorry, you know, oh, you know, like, yeah, he's, the ones he's, um, once he's the one who's outraged, like, you know, it's when funny. He, yeah, like, I think, or not that, outraged, I think but, him just flipping the script, which makes it, yeah, makes it, that made that that scene yeah. funnier as opposed to I didn't care nearly as much about the physical fumbling as I did about his attitude about it, which was yeah. this very sort of like, oh, it's just water. <laughs> like, yeah, it's fine. Know. It's fine. Yeah. yeah, it's just very. It was and that, it's, and it's yeah. true that like it really was fine. There was really, you know what I mean? Right. Like, I mean, he's kind of spoiling a few people's day, but I'm sort of with him. I'm like, oh, oh no, it's sure. Fucking water. It's it's just, just, oh, it's just ice water. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you're right. There's something about his. um no, that was a good scene. I mean, I, it's, I, an obno- it's an obnoxious thing that's also very funny that he's sort of letting he's letting it happen and he's not falling into the sort. Oh gosh, darn it! Oh shoot! You know, kind of mm-hmm. like the like when he was on uh, he was cracking the eggs in the car on his way to work earlier in the film. Oh, I hated that. I didn't like that because that is it, that's not John Candy to me. No, it's like oh, what if he's just physically fumbling, but then he's griping the whole like it's the griping for me. I'm like no, no, that, I, don't that, like I wrote that. that whole opening with with all the self talk. I'm totally with you. That I was, don't like was that gripey like self. You know, yeah. he's oh grumble yeah. grumble like he literally was was like grumble 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 sure. like. Yeah, that opening scene was like very not John Candy, very unsatisfying. Um, It's funny, this was, apart from like one other film that was more of a Canadian production, this really was John Candy's like first starring role. Right. Like leading man, the feature film. Just, I don't know, yeah, what a waste. But then you, then it locks in in something like Uncle Buck, where it's more like, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. this is more of the kind of thing where like, yeah, you can have him do his physical antics and be silly, but a lot of, what makes it great is like his smile on his face when he's doing it. Like, yeah. this is fine. Yeah. What's wrong? What do you No, what Absolutely. Did, you know, like we're just having a good time. And that's, I believe what Carl Reiner even said was like John Candy. He's like this great painting in a really enormous frame, right. you know, but he has this really handsome little face that like, is he's just very charming. Yeah. Oh, incredibly. Yeah. So, um, he was paid $800,000 for this part. Um, so yeah, he got his. Good, it's good. <laughs> it's good. good. Um, we don't usually dwell on that, but I just wanted to mention. No, it. but good for him. I mean, um, yeah, this is his. This is supposed to be his. Like, I'm imagining post like the other films that he did, did Stripes mm-hmm. and like right. The, he yeah. did Splash and Splash, whatnot. I'm, Splash sure, was, I'm sure there's a lot of yeah. yeah. Splash was uh, might have actually been a year before this. Yeah, yeah. Um, this same year, also Volunteers came out, where he's with Tom Hanks in that one uh-huh. as well, and also. 
um, Brewster's Millions. Right. So this this year, 1985, three films with John Candy come out. Which is why I'm sure this did as well as it did initially in the box office because of I can tell, like you just, you're looking mm-hmm. at the numbers, you're like, oh, first week, like John Candy, oh my God, and he's going to be the mm-hmm. main guy and what's not to like and then the diminishing returns of like, oh, but we're not really getting to like, yeah. we're not getting the fun John Candy. Yeah, this movie is definitely not, it was not adored by critics. It has a 70 per, 17 yeah. Percent on Rotten Tomatoes. That's I, I think That's, fairly fairly deserved. It, it feels um, generous, even. Uh, yeah. Uh, so this film was developed um, at Paramount Pictures, and you know I say developed. It was I mentioned it just because it's not exactly the same as a screenplay, but the idea came from it's based on somebody's actual vacation. Uh, it was talent agent Bernie Brillstein uh-huh. uh, who had this experience of going and with his family. And basically he said, I was, I was fat in Los Angeles and we went to the beach and I just Uh felt like this big oaf. And, you know, we had weird neighbors on either side of us at the, at the the house we rented. Uh One of his clients is John Belushi. And at one, that whole scene where John Candy comes back to the house and there's a party happening Uh and there's a guy sleeping with wet, like sand covered trunks in the bed right. upstairs. That was John Belushi, like basically <laughs> in real life. So yeah. this story got, must've just been told casually to somebody, but um, three uh, executives at, or I don't know if they were executives, but three people at Paramount developed it. Barry Diller, who went on to like work at Fox and a bunch of other shit. Like he uh-huh. greenlit the Simpsons and other and other stuff. He's also married to Diane von Furstenberg. So okay. Barry Diller, Michael Eisner, who of course Disney, uh-huh. uh, and Jeffrey Katzenberg, also big name at Disney during the nineties. Um, they all developed this, but then went on to get other jobs before this film was even made and a new president came in. And it was pretty typical, I guess, when a new president come in that they would just clear the slate. And like, no, I'm gonna... I'm going to lead, you know, new projects. This president was like, no, the script worked. I don't know if I agree, but he <laughs> said it's a good script. And they went ahead and went forward with it. Also, they had it basically, he's like, well, we had a, like a six month gap in our, in our schedule. We needed a product. So they filmed this thing in about seven to nine weeks. It was a really quick shoot. It was all done in Florida. They rushed this thing through post-production and got it out by August. There you go. So it was a rush job. Yeah. And the president of Paramount said, I quote, it's a good script and we had no product. Uh, and when all the geniuses are through, that's as good a reason as any to make a movie. <laughs> I mean, they got theirs. It made money. It did. It did well it in the did box really office. Good. But this is another yeah. thing where I just think it's funny. It's like, of course it did well initially. And then you could just tell that just like no one was leaving the theater, like wanting Telling, to tell their friends no. about it. No, you're absolutely they, right. This so was just the diminishing turn and burn. returns. Yeah. Um, and that kind of logic for making a movie is dumb. Like that's, yeah. that's not a good, it's just the quick, like we're pumping up the studio to yeah. get, getting some, getting some easy, easyish money. Absolutely. Uh, and that's the thing. I mean, it really did do well. It, it ended up being second to back to the future that year. Yeah. Like it did that well at the box office, just some other movies that were in the theaters this at this time. Back to the Future, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, Mm. European Vacation, Real Genius came out the same weekend, Weird Science, (laughs) Fright Night, Cocoon, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, and The Goonies. And it's worth mentioning that the daughter, the oldest daughter in this movie was in The Goonies, Uh uh, played by, let's see, I have her name here. So yeah, Carrie Green played Jennifer Chester. Uh, Karen Austin, who played Sandy Chester, the wife, it's worth mentioning, was 29 when this was filmed. And she was not even 12 years older than the girl playing her daughter. Wild. Absolutely wild. I mean, she had a rock and bod at the beach. I was like, this isn't realistic. No. (laughs) 
29. Um, 29. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when I was 29. Yeah. Me too. Okay. I have some reviews. All right. These are fun. Paul Adonasio at the Washington Post said, this is the kind of movie that makes you wish you had poison ivy because at least the scratching would occupy your mind. <laughs> Not the best dig, but to see that in print no, is kind of rough. No, that but is, it is a testament to like how tedious this movie it does It is tedious. I had a hard time paying attention. I mean, Clifford was more entertaining. It was. It was more engaging because it, it was just so outrageously like what yeah. what the fuck whereas this was just this is all, all everything was all the comedy like was was pretty mid at best you know just it was yeah again you don't like you're not letting john candy do what he does best which is like mm-hmm. be a big goofy guy with a smile mm-hmm. he's like you, you're having him like in moments of like shame and embarrassment like i don't know he's i not that he's not again not that he's not a good actor and didn't do a competent job it's just not not my John Candy. I hear you. No, not my not my kind of candy. I, I like I like when he's when he's acting with abandon. Yeah. You know? No. Same. Um, Variety called this more of a collection of bits than a coherent story. Uh huh. Say that's fair. The New York Times said that it was a wan but good natured hot weather comedy with big debt to National Lampoon's Vacation, as I mentioned. Uh, and someone from the Miami Herald, I didn't get their name, said it's hard to figure how the combination of director Carl Reiner and comedian John Candy and a movie with the title Summer Rental could come to nothing. Yeah, it does feel like a missed opportunity. You it's know? a missed opportunity. She she doesn't. He needs to. We we want to be on goofy misadventures with him. We don't want to see him trying to keep a family unit together. Together and and that patriarchal like adroit way. That's mm-hmm. like that's where people like Chevy Chase who like you want to laugh at them failing and feeling bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's funny to watch them get frustrated. Right. You with, with John, with John Candy, he's, he's having a hard time opening, cracking open an egg. And I'm like, I don't want to see you struggle. I want to see you joyous. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no, I completely agree. This um, is just my pigeonholing. No, my no, 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 not at all. I'll take this as a segue into talking about our director, Carl Reiner. Uh-huh. So, I mean, Carl Reiner is a legend and what I'm about to share does not cover the entirety of this man's career, influence, uh-huh. etc. So uh-huh. I'm already gushing. I know, I know. Uh, but Carl Reiner was born in 1922 in the Bronx to Irving and Bessie Reiner. His father was a watchmaker and both he and his older brother served in World War II both veterans. As a teen, Carl was a machinist. He used to fix sewing machines, um, but it was when his brother told him about a free workshop and drama that was being put on by the Works Progress Administration, the WPA. That was what Carl Reiner first involved in theater uh-huh. uh, and everything. You know, WPA, most people are like, well, they build bridges, but it's like, yeah, they did a lot of other shit too, though, like yeah. that we don't do anymore. <laughs> and uh, in the Second World War, Carl was a radio operator. He got really sick, though, at some point, had pneumonia for weeks. And I don't know how this happened, but he ended up being sent for training for uh, French translation. Like uh-huh. They sent him to Georgetown, like, go learn how to speak French and then we'll bring you back. Um, and then I don't know what happened after that, because he ended up being sent to Hawaii to be like a teleprinter operator. I don't know what that is. I assume it's something to do with printing out messages that come through. I don't know. But he's in Hawaii, which is cool, uh-huh. you know, and um, it was there that he saw a performance of Hamlet that was put on by the Special Services Division, which is literally the entertainment branch of the armed forces, which Uh he ended up auditioning for them because he's like, well, I got to do this. Come on. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to do this crap. I want to do that. Um, And he gets in and he auditioned for Maurice Evans and Alan Ludden, who both had like legitimate acting creds, but are known really for being, Maurice Evans was Dr. Zayas. Uh (laughs) So he auditioned for Dr. Zayas. 
He was also Samantha's father on Bewitched. And Alan Ludden was the host of the game show Password from like 1961 to 1980, which again, before my time, but like these are, these are strangely known people, you know, who weren't known as for these things yet. So Carl ends up performing for soldiers in the Pacific in places like Hawaii, Guam, Iwo Jima, Tinan, Saipan. He's honorably discharged in 1946 and he goes to Broadway. Uh, he gets cast on a variety TV show called Show of Shows, which was Sid Caesar and a 90 minute variety show on NBC. You know, we're talking about comedy shows and not SNL before it was SNL. It was certainly not that exactly, but it was a big deal. Uh, and he actually got some Emmys for acting on that show. And although he wasn't officially given any writing credit, this was the time where he met Mel Brooks and started pitching, you know, ideas in the kind of in the moment, in the rehearsals. Uh, and so after that, um, he ended up formally beginning to write for Caesar's Hour, which was another Sid Caesar show. And this is when he's writing with Mel Brooks, Neil Simon, and Woody Allen, people like that. Um, mm. So really early days of late night television comedy writing. Brooks and Carl Reiner start appearing as a comedy duo on the Steve Allen show. Carl always played the straight man, like mm. to perfection. Um, this is where they start to develop the 2,000-year-old man sketch that would end up becoming a bit and then an album and all kinds of things. Carl doesn't stop, though. Uh, he starts writing a TV show based on his personal and professional life, which he calls Head of the Family. And he writes out like 13 episodes or he at least drafts the plots for it. The network didn't want Carl, though, to play the father. They never really explained why. They, just, they were like, mm, we don't see it. So they recast it and renamed it The Dick Van Dyke Show. Uh -huh. <laughs> nice. Which then, you know, Carl, wildly successful. He ended up earning in his entire career. He got like 11 Emmys. You know, wow. I mean, the guy is, is part of TV history and TV legend. And he didn't stop. He started making films in the 70s. He started directing things. Where's Papa is like kind of a cult classic. Oh, God, The Jerk. He directed that. He directed a lot of Steve Martin comedies like yeah. The Man with Two Brains, All of Me and Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid. He just never stopped working. Uh, and then, you know, beyond that, I mean, he's been given numerous awards like the Mark Twain Prize for Humor. He's got a Hollywood Walk of Fame star. He got it in 1960. You know, it's been there for a while. Um, he's done appearances, guests, specials, voiceover work. He's done everything. He just, he's been working forever. And one of the details I really loved that I learned and was that in 2012, he joined Twitter to keep up with his grandson, Jake. He posted once a day. And that meant ultimately he ended up with 6,520 tweets 367,000 followers. And at 98, he was the oldest celebrity to actively use Twitter. Oh, good for him. Good for Carl. <laughs> Keeping fresh. Yeah. Anyway, that's just a little bit about, there's so much more. Uh -huh. he, he's written dozens of books. Like the guy was prolific and, yeah. and um, it's not my favorite show, but if you've ever watched Comedians and Cars Getting Coffee, that episode that he's on, um, he ends up taking Jerry with him back to like have dinner with him in Mel Brooks, which apparently every night, they get together, have dinner, and watch Jeopardy, which was taped earlier, and then maybe watch a movie. And he said, and then Mel Brooks would always fall asleep in the chair, you know, <laughs> his mouth up every time. That's charming. Um, and it's like they had this incredible friendship that when Carl Reiner passed away in 2020, you know, it's it might be stupid to say, but I'm like, oh, how's Mel gonna handle this? Because yeah. like this is like his like a life partner, you right. know. Um, some people might remember Carl Reiner as Saul Bloom in Oceans 11 and 12 and 13. Uh -huh. So um, if you don't know him from anything else, you might know that. I don't right. know. I don't know what you guys watch. I feel like <laughs> a, 10 years ago, Oceans 11 was a surefire. Everyone's like knows it, seen it. And now no, like, it's not who gives much. a shit? Like, yeah. You know? yeah. 
I mean, except came and went, came and went. Um, anyway, so that's Carl Reiner, just the tip of the iceberg with that guy. But it's shocking though. Like given all of that, what a miss this is. Right. And I, I don't have any questions. I don't, I would not watch it again. Yeah. Uh, we, I mean, favorite secondary character for me was Scully. Yeah. Same. So yeah. Easy. I, I, I'm not trying to kill this episode, but I mean, this was yeah. just not very yeah, fun. Yeah, there's just not a whole lot else to, to unpack about it. I don't just, know. I don't know what else to say. Yeah. Um, thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks so much. <laughs> this might be one of our shortest episodes. Wow. And the mirror was pretty short, too. Yeah. Or mirror. I mirror. still don't remember. Yeah. Oh, whatever. Um, I mean, is anything else we want? yeah i just i mean yeah i just it's it's at least it's 90 minutes yeah it was 90 minutes yeah um and i i was pretty checked out by the end and the end credits came up and i'm like oh it's over thank you (laughs) (laughs) it's like a mercy off because it's not like there was any sort of denouement they they win the race and then just credits yeah exactly great bam done awesome (laughs) let's go yeah, that's nice with the pictures, the payoff, and the credits with the pictures. She's been taking the implied mm. the mom's been taking pictures throughout the whole movie, and the, so during the end credits, they're doing the pictures thing, which is kind of like in the Hangover when they do yeah. the pictures thing. Although in the Hangover, it's more useful because you're actually seeing yeah, it's 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 deepening the story because yeah. you're seeing what they did the night before. But um, <laughs> whereas you're just seeing John Candy, it's like stills from the movie. Just, yeah, it's just the stuff you already just saw. <laughs> Um, so it didn't really enhance anything, yeah. but you know, it's nice that the, you got the pictures, I guess. Um, did you see, I'm sorry to interrupt, but did you see that incredible thread of finding, um, those moments in movies and TV shows where they show the family in the frame and it's really badly Photoshopped. Like they just, you know, drop like Dennis Quaid's face. So oh, no. like, you know, and like th- yeah. this person started a thread on Twitter of just like screenshotting every time they saw them. Yeah. And man, there was some really egregious ones. I bet. Uh, God damn. Anyway, I just had to mention it. Good times. Uh, This would be one of them. I adore John Candy. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles was, it was one of those copies we had in the house. Like we had a tape of that and it got watched a lot. And it's hard to speak ill of, of it and him. Like I think the sort of cynical nature of how this movie got made, it was Uh just sort of like, eh okay like whatever it's let's like do what, it. going to see like grown-ups it's like they, they, they yeah. make these kind of movies now exactly you know grown-ups grown-ups too you just don't remember them like yeah they just it's just that that kind of it's just kind of throwaway it is it's just a throwaway kind of it's a summer block well i guess technically this yeah. is a summer blockbuster and that it did well i don't know what defines something as a blockbuster officially do you know What's the, what block is being busted? Is it that like previous record? I guess. I don't really know. I assume it's just that it made a lot. It made it. I feel like when it's like, it makes more than double the budget or some shit. Okay. Interesting. On a technical level. I'm not a hundred percent. It's like skyscraper. Like when does a building become a skyscraper? How many floors do you have Well, then you start scraping the sky. (laughs) Ow. That's pretty obvious. I think you, didn't you see the little scrapes, little scrapes (laughs) in the sky? (laughs) That's a skyscraper. That's adorable.